0: All right, welcome everybody. My name is Victor Schloss. Welcome to uh, my podcast, Losing Your Religion and Finding Your Faith. This is gonna be part two of uh, Why Jesus Wasn't Enough and Now What. This is a podcast about authenticity and empowerment. The ultimate goal is that it'll produce two things in your life. One, it'll produce peace. Um, And as a result of it producing ultimately what my hope and plan is it'll produce love for yourself and greater love for everybody else as you authentically live according to how you were designed to be and who you really are. Uh, That's the best thing that you can do for this entire humanity, for this entire planet, is that you be uh, the best version of yourself. And so we wanna encourage people to just live authentically, live genuinely, uh, live true. Uh, to yourself. And whatever it is that may have taught you to be something other than that, uh, that's the title of this, where it comes from, is we want to lose that religion. We want to lose the idea that um, you have to submit to somebody else telling you who you're supposed to be, telling you um, what you're supposed to believe, and telling you how you're supposed to behave. So with that, it may seem like a contradiction because I say that I'm not against religion. I'm really not. I'm not against religion. Uh, pretty much all of my kids, they all go to church. And I don't discourage that. I uh, have benefited immensely from religion and some of the things that I do like about myself and things that other people like about me or the way I contribute to their life and enhance their lives is uh, lessons and things that I've learned from religion. However, it gets to, it's gotten to a point where religion no longer served uh, me as it used to. And I'm gonna continue to talk about those uh, ways and um, why I broke away from it. And it's going to require multiple podcasts talking about this issue, which I honestly don't always want to talk about because um, I want to talk about other things. Like I want to make sure that that we're um, um, talking about things that equip us to be able to live authentically. And so I'm going to try to sprinkle that in every single thing that we talk about. But until then, I still have to continue to lay the groundwork because I know there's many of you uh, who are where I used to be, um, where you still feel like you're in chains. Um, whether it's changed to a particular religion or organization, or you still feel like you're in chains to what your parents may think about you or your culture or your community. Um, Quick side story, but it relates to this, is I've been catfished a few times online. I've been catfished a few times, yeah, three times. Um, After the third time, actually after the first time, I knew exactly that I was being catfished. First time, this dude catfished me. Had a gang of pictures of a, of a woman particularly, and um, and he, yeah, dude catfished me. I, fa- I found out after I was like, dude, you're you're a guy, huh? And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a dude. Uh, the second time, the way this person was acting again, it was a female pictures, videos, everything of a female. Uh, but I was I was catching on to. So I was like, you're you're a dude, huh? And uh, he was like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, trust me, man, I've been catfished before. All y'all go to the same school or something because you do the same thing. And maybe it was the same person. I don't know. I don't think so. But um, I remember after the third time uh, of being catfished while I was being cat, they were catfishing me. I remember saying to the guy, I was just like, man, just be yourself, you know, like embrace who you are. You don't have to put on this persona or put these pictures out there or put these images at you think other people will like, and therefore, you'll be in a relationship with them, but in reality, you're not actually, they're not in a relationship with you. They're in a relationship with somebody else that they think is you, and so that's typically though people catfish, um, people live their whole entire lives catfishing people. They're living in the way that they do, and they say, and they speak, and they behave in such a way that will allow them to be in relationships with other people. Um, but this podcast, the, one of the main um, empowerment aspects of it, one of the main things I hope that you get from it is the, is the power, the courage to just be your authentic self and realize that there are people, once you embrace who you are, um, like I told that dude, I was like, man, just embrace the fact that you're gay. He's like, man, I can't do that. Like, you don't understand I'm Muslim and they're going to hate me and this and that. And I was like, trust me, man, I get it. I had to embrace that I no longer believe certain things anymore. But in doing that, I knew that people were going to cut me off. I knew I was going to have a hard time with my family. I knew that there were people who were my friends at that time that I probably would end up losing. However, the moment you begin to be comfortable with who you are, that's when life begins to send you people who are comfortable with who you really are, who will love you for being gay in this particular circumstance with that guy, who will love me for no longer believing those things, and sending people who who genuinely love who you are, regardless of what it is you believe or don't believe. So the again, the, one of the main aims of, of this podcast is to promote authenticity, uh, whether that be if you do go to church, then hey, like, and that's who you are, and yet your family won't I'm allow, allow you to go to church or they'll give you a hard time going to church because their particular experience with church was bad. I'm saying go to church. I'm saying do whatever feels most real and true and, and that is good for you and ultimately good for everybody else. Because I'm not just saying just do whatever is, is reckless and irresponsible. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that authenticity is what's going to make you happiest. And when you're happy, everything about your life actually ends up getting better. And so I want to encourage that authenticity. Um, And I think that there's no greater chains that people have on their life than um, religion. I think religion uh, puts so much pressure on people and to comply and to conform with them. There's pressure um, socially there's pressure spiritually, there's pressure even mentally, there's pressure many times as even in my case uh, financially. And it may not be because you're employed by a church, but there's many people who their businesses, um, a lot of their business comes from people in the church or they're people that are pressured from a marriage standpoint. Um, They have a lot of friends and they all go to the same church and they know, man, if I get a divorce all my friends are gonna leave me. Or if my friends really knew what was going on with me and my wife or me and my husband or whatever it might be, I would lose friends. And so I'm telling you there's no greater pressure that I've experienced, even just hearing from other people, um, than the pressure that you get through religion. And so if I'm able to break out of that, and I'm going to share with you guys continually and other people are going to come on the show too and the podcast and just talk about how they've been able to break free from whatever their religion is um, into their more authentic self. Those are the type of things we're going to continue to talk about. Um, And every day you have a choice. Every day you have a choice to uh, live the life that you feel called to live. Every day is a brand new day for you to uh, walk in your I- idea of what life looks like um, every day you have a choice to make to, to make and so again one of the main aims of this show uh, this podcast every single episode want to promote um, authenticity um, and that's why it's called losing your religion and finding your faith uh, for me one of the things that caused me to lose my religion uh, Christianity was a bicycle uh, there, was two, there were two wheels that fell off for me. Um, recently was having a discussion with somebody and they were like, man, what, what happened? Like, what happened? And I was like, uh, it was a lot of things that happened. And he's like, no, 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 no. It was one big thing that happened. And I was like, no, nah, not really. It was a lot of, lot of different things. Uh, but I guess I could boil it down to probably two things. Um, one, it wasn't my marriage um, falling apart that made me lose faith in my religion. Um, now my marriage was tested in every way prior to it starting all the way through. And it never shook my faith, uh, in Christianity. It never shook my faith in Jesus at all. Um, that's not what caused me to quote, leave the church. Um, the, the hurt that I received from people that I love that didn't love me back when I was hurting, uh, that didn't cause me to leave, leave the church or cause me to lose my faith. Um, the, the financial, um, ramifications of, of, of me struggling with my faith never caused me to lose my faith. It wasn't any of those things, uh, really two things, two things that primarily uh, were the wheels of my Christianity on the Christian Christian bike that when these two things fell off, the motion and the, the, the ride that I was on with Christianity completely came to a screeching halt. Um, and for me, the main thing, Um, Well, two of the things are kind of like 1A and 1B. They're both the same thing. They have the same amount of weight for me. Um, Number one was the doctrine of depravity. Doctrine of depravity, uh, according to the definition, it is the state of human corruption due to original sin. Bible teaches that Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam bit the apple, he, uh, or apple or fruit, forbidden fruit, whatever it was, uh, sin entered into humanity. And at that point, humanity, Every single one of us, according to the doctrine of depravity, are incapable of, one, doing any sort of good in this world, and then, two, uh, we are incapable of knowing God. So that's what the doctrine of depravity teaches. And with this um, podcast, this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit more, like, kind of Bible-heavy a little bit, uh, just so that you could just walk with me, or I could just walk with you through some of the scriptures and teachings of the Bible Some of that comes because that's just who I am. Naturally, I'm a teacher. I love to teach. Um, I also teach in such a way that I like to be taught so that I understand. But I also know that um, there's no rush to this topic, even though I kind of want to talk about other stuff, too. I also do want to talk about this. And it's important to have people understand, one, what the Bible says. When I was a pastor, I felt like that was part of my role. I felt like there was a lot of Christians who didn't even know what the Bible said. Like, they, everybody says, like, oh, this is God's word. This is my Bible. This is the word of God. But I'm like, do you even know, like, that there's more to the Bible than just John three sixteen For God to loved the world. He saying his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish and have eternal life. Like, we see those verses. We used to see them in football games and stadiums. Or you see that during um, a sporting event or any sort of event where there's a lot of people gathering. There's always that one Bible banger. Um, when I was at San Diego State, when I went there, there was always this person by the steps. There was always... John three sixteen and hollering out those verses. But there's so much more to the Bible than just the popular verses. Um, there's 66 books in the Bible. You got the Old Testament, you got the New Testament. I'm not gonna go into all of that right now, but I always felt like it was my goal, my aim, part of my role as a pastor to help Christians understand what the Bible actually says. And if you look at any of my past sermons, they were really Bible heavy. If you ever attended any Bible study that I did, it was really Bible heavy because I wanted to illuminate and shed light on what the Bible actually says, because in my understanding at that time, that was the word of God. So if God spoken, let's see what did he say about this stuff. Let's see what did God say about a variety of topics. And let's not just chop it up and say, okay, let's, um, I like what God said here. I didn't like what God said there. Like, let's just go through Genesis all the way through Revelation. I did tons of Bible studies like that. So now that I'm not a pastor. I still feel like part of my role is to help people understand and know what it is that the Bible says, whether you're Christian or not. And now that I do that with different lenses, um, it's it's just, it, it's literally, it's blown my mind. It's blown my mind um, how little people really do understand about the Bible. Uh, but one verse in the Bible um, <clears throat> that I want to just highlight is in... Um, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18. And this is about the doctrine, the teaching, the study, the thought, the idea that man, humanity, men and women, we are utterly depraved. We are incapable. The Bible teaches through numerous verses, incapable of doing any good because of the sin in our life and incapable of having a relationship with God. Because again, the sin in our life and God is holy. And holy by definition means set apart. It has it is not connected to, it's completely different and set apart from whatever it is. And so God, he's holy. So this is just trying to give you some understanding. When the Bible teaches and you sing songs and you hear that God is holy, doesn't mean he's got a lot of holes in him or nothing like like that. It literally means he is set apart from humanity, is different. And the main thing that makes God different than you and I is that he doesn't have sin in his life. Because Adam and Eve sinned. the doctrine of depravity, the teaching of depravity, This. Christian view is that everybody is separated from God, incapable of knowing God, incapable of doing any good because of the sin in their life. So the doctrine of depravity is this according to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18. um, It says that they are darkened in their understanding. They are excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their heart. Ephesians chapter four, verse 18. You can sit on that. You can look at that however you want. Remember, one of the wheels that fell off for me was this idea of the the teaching that mankind is incapable of doing any good in this world and incapable of knowing God apart from Jesus Christ. And that's why... Now, I don't listen to Christian teachings that talk about that stuff anymore, that talk about how much of a sinner I am, that talk about how I'm wretched and disgusting and how I'm no good and capable of doing any good, but apart from Jesus. Um, This, again, is going to, I'll deep dive into this a whole lot more on a separate um, podcast episode about how um, that affects your ability to love yourself and affects your ability to um, really think well about yourself, and as a result, love others. You're capped on your ability to love others and think well of others. Now, with this, again, remember, whatever it is that you focus on is what you get more of. So the Bible teaches in the New Testament, not just that one verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, in Romans chapter 1, all the way to chapter 3, it talks about this whole thing about how you are incapable of knowing God because of the sin in your life. And because of the darkness in your life, but whatever it is you focus on, you get more of. So when you focus on your own darkness, what do you see in others? More darkness. When you focus though on the flip side of the goodness in your life, which Christianity forbids because there is no good in you, according to Christian teaching, aside from Jesus Christ. But when you focus on the good in your life, what is it that you begin to see in others more? You begin to see more and more good in others. And the that's when it began to fall apart for me because I was struggling so bad. Everybody was telling me I'm a sinner. Everybody was telling me that I'm demon possessed. I got screenshots of this stuff where pastors telling me I'm demonic. I've got demons in me. I've this and that. And I remember just thinking, I'm like, man, am I really that like part of my French or whatever? About am I really that fucked up? Like, am I really, really, really that messed up that God hates me and He only likes me because of Jesus? Am I really, really that bad of an individual because um, I can't do any good apart from this person named Jesus? And I struggled with that because I really felt like I was a good person. I remember even loved ones, people close to me, they told me straight up, you are not a good person. And again, this teaching of the doctrine of depravity, like you pound that those type of teachings in people's lives and it really begins to affect them. The doctrine of depravity began to fall off on me because I realized, no, I am a good person. I really am. And I don't struggle with saying that anymore. It's not egotistical at all. Um, And it's not wrong for you to believe that who you are in your authentic self and in your purest self is actually good. I've got five kids. see them right behind me. The doctrine of depravity teaches that if it was left up to themselves, they would never, ever choose righteousness and they would never, ever choose God. And I just don't find that to be true at all. My kids are actually more pure and kids are the more pure Innocent people in this world, but they—they they are learned. They learn how to not love. They learn how to not hate. They learn how to uh, be anything. They learn how to be clones of everybody else and the, follow the teachings that everybody else wants them to follow. They—they they learn how they should feel about gays. They learn how they should feel about about politics. They learn how they should feel about being a Republican or Democrat. All that stuff. They learn that from other people, but in their within themselves, they're honestly pure. They're honestly the most pure things out there. Um, so doctrine of depravity started to fall. That's the first wheel, boom, started falling off on me. The second one for me was um, the infallibility of, of the Bible. And I don't wanna use that big, I mean, you could use that big word, whatever, it speaks to theologians, but really all that means is the inability for the Bible to be wrong. Um, this, this, um, it's basically the teaching, the, the belief that the Bible is the word of God. Um, purely through and through Uh, that was the other thing that fell off for me so one it was the the, the teaching that we're we're sinful wicked people incapable of doing any sort of good um, and knowing God apart from Jesus that fell off on me Um, that will fell off and then the other one was um, this um, the teaching and the belief that the Bible is incapable of being wrong and that you can trust it Uh, I grew to this point where I just stopped trusting the Bible for a number of different reasons again I don't have all the time to talk about it right now But think about this: like if you had a party at your house, or yeah, let's just say you had a party at your house, and you gave your address, whatever, one, two, three, four, five, Party Central Ave, and you told people, you know, hey, punch that in your GPS, uh, but don't use Google Maps because if you use Google Maps every single person is going to end up at a different destination. And there's people like that. Say you've got a house at a new development or something like that. And, and Google Maps, that little car has not shown up yet in your neighborhood. And so Google Maps, for instance, will send people all over the place. We get that. People tell me that all the time. Well, statistics will tell us that there's 2.4 billion Christians in this world. It's the largest religion. 2.4 billion Christians in this world. And it's broken as uh, it's broken up into three main, um, like, um, I guess, divisions. You have um, Eastern Orthodox, um, which makes up the smaller section of it. And then you got Catholics, okay, that identify themselves as followers of Christ as well. And then you have what we'll call, at least in Western world, um, Christians. So you will call, like, the more Protestants, okay? That was really developed after the Protestant, um, the, 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 the Re- Reformation um, movement basically back in the 1500s. So Christianity is still kind of new. Um, well, it became the Protestantism of it. Um, so, but under Protestant Christians is where you have 200 plus denominations. Okay. I was part of a leader in the largest of those 200 denominations in uh, the United States, um, the Southern Baptist Convention, over 50,000 plus churches, um, millions and millions and millions of followers. My point is not saying all of that is that there's 2.4 million something people. If they all downloaded the same exact app, but yet they all punched in the same exact direction, destination, which is having a relationship with God. And the app that they use, in other words, is the Bible, but yet they all ended up in various places in, with differing conclusions and um, ultimately different destinations Is that app something that you would trust all the time? Or would you tell people, hey, if you use this app, just know it may not lead you to the right spot. And that's basically where I became out with the Bible because we have those 2.4 billion people. All of them have different understanding and views of the same coming from the same text, the same Bible. And so it's almost like everybody's then and everybody thinks that they're right and that other people are wrong. I talked to this guy just the other day. And I used to be like this too. Oh, I'm a Christian. This is the guy was telling me, I'm a Christian, but I believe that there's other people who aren't Christians. And it's almost like people are have arrived to a conclusion using this app and they arrived at a destination and they're telling everybody else that they're wrong and they use the same exact app too. So you've got people who are basically saying like, you're wrong, I'm right. But yet you all use the same app. You all use the same source. And they're using the app to tell people that they're wrong With them that use the same app. It's so confusing. It's so, the point is, is that there's so many different views and conclusions of the scriptures. So I just stopped trusting it because I have. I, if I meet with one Christian, they're going to tell me this. I meet with another Christian, they're going to tell me this. And I meet with another Christian, they're going to tell me this. And I just realized that they're all coming from the same source. I said, let me put aside this source because it's, has so many people come into so many different conclusions so let me put this thing aside for a minute and it's actually unhealthy and important to actually do that because if we're um when you think about the bible if the bible is supposed to be the leading source to god like the, our ability to to have a relationship with god do you understand that like the ability to be able to even read was just something that is only of the past couple of 500 something years because literacy never really existed prior to the Gutenberg Press and we didn't really know how to read. And so why would God, God who's all infinite, all powerful, who wants humanity to interact with him and know him and enjoy him, why would he limit his ability to be known to a skill that has to be acquired and wasn't acquired until just the past 500 something years? Like God can be known outside of just the ability to read. Because ever since we got this ability to read, now everybody has even more ideas about who God is and who God isn't, all because of this one little book. Uh, Because of this one book, um, I understand why Christians have had some real harsh reactions towards me. Uh, Again, I'm just gonna read this Bible verse um, because these are the type of stuff I don't think people know are actually in the Bible. And I'm not talking about like Old Testament stuff. Uh, In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, this is what what this guy writes, a guy named Paul. He says, I'm amazed. And this is like, and I think about this now looking back, and it's almost like Paul was like talking to me, Victor. But it's also how a lot of Christians also say to me now in different words, but I know where it's coming coming from. It's coming from um, Bible verses. I'm just picking one, but it comes from many Bible verses like this, um, where the the author in it the writer says i'm amazed that you're turned so quickly from him like jesus who's called you by the grace of christ and you're turning to a different gospel so it's like I'm, I'm amazed this guy's writing to this church and he's like man i'm blown away like jesus has called you into a relationship with him and i'm blown away that you are turning away from that and verse seven of this it says um not that there is another gospel but there are some who are troubling you and want to change the good news about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But if we, this writer's saying, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than what we have preached to you, it says a curse is supposed to be on him. And then he goes on to say, as I've said to you once before, and now I say it again, if anyone preaches to you a gospel that is contrary to what you have received from me let a curse be on him. So this writer's telling this church, these group of people is like, hey, there's people coming trying to tell you a different way to have a relationship with God. If anybody's doing that, this person's saying a curse be on that person. And so he's basically trying to get them to obey or follow or conform to his way through bullying. Because anytime you try to um, force obedience or you try to force conformity that is based on fear, that's ultimately bullying. And I realized that within a lot of my Christian walk and like as a Christian, I would try to go a certain way and somebody would slam me with a scripture, no, don't go that way, and produce a whole lot of fear in my life. Oh, no, 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 don't do this. No, 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 don't go that way. And it's almost like you force disobedience and conformity, again, based on fear, and I'm telling you that is bullying. And I know that there are a lot of Christians, loving Christians, that would look at a verse like that and think like, man, if I, am I like that? If I don't agree with somebody or somebody doesn't agree with me, um, am I the type of person that just wants to curse them and pray that their whole life gets ruined and wrecked? Like, that's not who I am. And there's ample, I mean, literally hundreds, if not thousands of verses that when I would look at what, quote, God is saying to do to people who do not agree with him. I was like, that's not me. That doesn't register with who I authentically am. And again, I'm just talking from a Christian religious standpoint, There are many of you who are part of an organization, a part of a culture, a part of a teaching, a part of whatever it might be. It may even be the sales strategies that you're being taught at work or how to make more, um, close more deals. Or it may be something or anything else. And the more you keep hearing it, you're just like, that doesn't register with who I am. It's just not me. That's not going to work for me. And so as I was looking through the scriptures and through a bunch of Bible verses, I was like, that's not who I am at all? Like if people disagree with me and it's possible and it's very likely that you will not agree with anybody and with every single person in your life. And when you just have those disagreements, are you looking to just damn that person? And just, if you're in a relationship, I remember one, one, I had to just let her, I had to cut her off so fast. The moment you got in one little argument, all of a sudden I'm an F boy, I'm this, I'm that. And I'm just like, it's just a, just one disagreement. And all of a sudden now, like, you just want the worst and everything bad to happen to me that could ever possibly happen. And there's ample verses like that in the scriptures. That, hey, if you disagree with me, if you disagree with the Bible, then a the curse will be on your life. And you just got to ask yourself, like, if you're a Christian, like, is that the type of stuff that really resonates with you? Are you, do you also vibe with that? Do you agree? Because people tell me all the time, Christians will be like, oh, you've got to follow the word of God. I'm like, okay, well, do you follow that too? Are you praying that God will curse people who don't agree with you? Who don't follow as you follow? Because again, that's just one verse I can show you so, so, so many. The verse again, like I said, it says if anybody preaches to you a different gospel, like let there be a curse on him. There's, if somebody believes that scripture, And you're a Christian. You disagree with what I'm saying. That's literally what you're saying to me. Like, put a curse on Victor. But I read the other day, too, hey, if your religion in any way causes you to hate anybody or any person particularly, you need to swap religions. You need to be willing. And I'm giving you the freedom and the encouragement to say, like, I can let go of this. This is not me. And I'm telling you, anything that is not love really isn't you. It's not. It's not you. For me, I started to think to myself: Do I want to worship a God or be a part of an organization uh, that be, that prays for people to be cursed um, if they disagree? Lots of times we see that even in our government. Like, hey, you disagree with me? Boom, name calling, all this stuff. And and that's not who I am. So that's one of the reasons why I was just like, ah, uh, I gotta shake this. Um, if it's not who you are, then you gotta take the time to to identify for yourself, like who who really are you, um, and. You can take the time to do that and you can find answers because your soul does know who you are. And that's the proof of that is the fact that, you know, something within you doesn't feel right about it. So there's something in you that says that's not you. That's not me. For again, for me, this is religion for you. It could be anything else. It could be um. I don't know, the way certain people party. It could be the way that that you like to have fun. It could be, and there's just so many things like that are just something within you says, that's not for me. And I'm telling you, listen to that voice and define for yourself who you really are. Um, Because one, if you don't define for yourself who you are, two things will happen. One, you'll end up becoming what others think you should be. Um, Or you will end up being Uh, basically a knockoff version of somebody else. You'll be some fake Jordans or you'll be some fake Gucci. And if you don't hear me say anything, but you do hear this, I'm here to tell you that your uniqueness is your value. You don't have to be like anybody else. And here, I'm here to tell you something that may sound blasphemous, but one person that you don't need to be like is Jesus. Jesus already did his job. He already came. Like, you don't need to be a carpenter. You don't need to be single and celibate for the rest of your life. You don't need to be somebody who um, dies on the cross for the sins of other people. Like, Jesus did what his job is already. Like, at best, all you could do is be a poor version of Jesus, but you'll never, ever be Jesus. But you can only, I mean, you can be the best version of yourself and nobody else can be that. Like you could be you and everybody else can try to be a knockoff version of you. You don't have to be like Jesus. And people say, okay, well, I'm not trying to take it that far with Jesus. Again, and the fact that you don't want to do this because you recognize that that's not you. Like you're like, okay, well, I, I want to get married, but Jesus wasn't married. So how, how, really real, how much like Jesus are you really, 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 really going to be? Are you going to be homeless and not really have a home for yourself and just be nomadic and go from this place to that place and allow people to take care of you, just stay in somebody's house over here like Jesus did, stay in that house over there and just trust God to provide for you and be nomadic like that? Are you going to be like Jesus like that? Are you going to be like Jesus and just start like just try to create miracles, raise the dead and do all that? Like if that's what you want to be, then cool. That's fine. But is that truly who you want to be, like truly who you are? For instance, you may want to be like Jesus in the sense that you heal people. I know there's people who have the ability to heal people. I know. I know without a doubt because I've experienced that. I had a pain like in my um, groin area. Um, This um, doctors have told me, oh, you have a slight hernia. You have a slight hernia. It's been for like four years, for seriously, for four years. Um, one person who I know who's a healer, the first I, I was saying something to her, I was like, man, like I've had this pain forever. She starts asking me questions about this pain. Literally never touched me or anything, but just like did a little something. I promise you for four years, I've had this pain. I don't have that pain anymore. I really don't have this pain. This is just something within the past month that just happened. Person not a follower of Jesus Christ. The person has a unique gift and an ability to heal. I've, I've experienced that. I have like a slight version of it. I feel somebody from their headaches, from their heartache. <laughs> I don't know. But I think if I practiced that and I worked on that a little bit more, um, it could work. So there's things about Jesus where I'm pointing to. So I to say is that you can identify with that. You're like, man, I do want to help people with hunger. Boom. But do it your way. Like, I do want to help people heal. Like, okay, but boom, do it your way. You don't need to be just like Jesus. You can be inspired by him. And you know what? When you start functioning in who you are, other people are going to look at that and you're going to be a source of inspiration for them to be their authentic self as well. So Jesus already came. Uh, You don't need to be like him. Um, Like, he did his thing. The, the, The thing about Jesus that inspires me most is that he knew who he was. And that inspires me to know who I am and be my unique version of myself. Like my kids, their dad isn't Jesus. My kids need me as Jesus, as like to be their dad. They don't want um, somebody like that was the way Jesus was. Um, so as I was saying before, um, that obedience when it's forced on us, right? Or uh, when, uh, when we're forced to, forced to conform to be somebody that we're not, um, that is like a form of bullying. And what do you do with bullies? Uh, you do uh, three things. You create distance uh, to protect yourself, right? Um, so for me, when all these, these two wheels of, of, of Christianity on my bike started to fall off, um, I realized that, hey, I got to protect myself. I got to create distance. So I separated myself from those who kept trying to conform me to be back to um, what I knew no longer served me anymore. Um, so the, the second thing is I had to set boundaries some of us may need to set boundaries from again this may be your parents this may be a relationship that you're that you're closely in with somebody but you got to set those boundaries um and um, thirdly you got to get to the point where you got to speak up about it so for me um and this isn't brand new for me my views on christianity i stopped going to church over four years ago last time i've been to churches even just recently yesterday was just for a funeral um other three times in the last couple years has been just for a funeral um, I don't go to church. This isn't brand new to me. This is, like I said, it's four years old news. I'm just at that place that I've created my distance already. I've protected myself. I've set my boundaries. And now this is Vic Speaks. Like I'm speaking up about it. Um, not in the sense of like speaking against it. I'm just sharing my truth. Um, and I'm just sharing because it was, it was interesting how when I was a Christian and a preacher, everybody applied to me. Yeah, he, not everybody, but you know, those who are about that Christian life, um, we're like, yeah, I keep speaking truth, keep speaking truth, just keep speaking truth. Well, I also feel like now I can still speak truth. It just may not, um, be acceptable to those same people, but it's still my truth. Um, so I'm speaking truth about, um, how those two wheels fell off on me, um, how Jesus was not enough for me anymore. Um, um, real quickly so this doesn't go too long because, again, I could talk about this stuff for a very long time. Um, anybody who wants to talk about it, uh, obviously, you can hit me up, send me a message. Um, if I got time, we can meet up. I'm not afraid to um, just talk with anybody. I don't like to argue. I'm not here to argue. I'm, like, really just having a conversation with people. Um, but for me, I want to just uh, talk a little bit more specifically about why Jesus specifically wasn't enough for me. And it's just real simple. For me, when... I looked at Jesus and the benefits that Christianity offered me with just Jesus. Um, I was like, okay, what are the benefits of following Jesus? What are the the benefits that Jesus offers and are they exclusive to him? So again, there's so many that we can look at. But for me, um, this is just some of the highlight ones I want to do is one Jesus came to connect us with God. Um, That's what Jesus said. That's what the New Testament is all about. Jesus came to connect us back to God because, as I talked about before, Christianity teaches that you are separated from God because of your sin. Jesus Christ came to connect us with God. Uh, According to Jesus' own words in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus told them, um, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. No man comes to the Father, no man comes to God, right, except through me, Jesus says. So, Um, I felt like I had to ask that question. Again, we can talk about this a lot more, but I just have to ask the question, is the only way to God through Jesus Christ? Are people experiencing God only through Jesus? And I've been fortunate to travel pretty much almost everywhere except for, um, Asia, pretty much been every single, everywhere else. I've been to Europe, I've been to Africa, been to South America, I've been to Central America, thankfully, and I've been in um, spiritual environments in every single one of those places. One thing that blows me away is that every single one of those places that I went to, they did not believe exactly like I believe where I'm from in, in San Diego. Their belief was different. Their belief about Jesus was slightly different. Their belief about God, spirituality was slightly different. But one thing that always blew me away is that same sense of brightness, of love, of light, that same energy that I would feel when I would be in that presence of those believers, whatever it was that they believed, I didn't know. I didn't know specifically, but I do know that I felt the same exact thing that I felt when I was with believers back in San Diego where I'm at. And and so I, I started to think like, Being able to connect with God is not exclusive to just Jesus. There are people that have had the same experience as Christians um, that aren't Christian, that are Muslim, that are Mormon, that are Buddhist, that are Jewish, or that are agnostic or don't even practice anything. But they've had the same God-like experience that people outside of Christianity may have. And Again, for the Christian apologetics, the people that want to defend the faith, I understand because I used to say it too, that that experiences, right, do not, um, experiences are so unique. And honestly, I listened to a sermon that I preached um, just earlier this week talking about Jesus is enough because now I'm saying Jesus isn't enough anymore. And I remember talking about that, like experiences are are so unique and so vast, but really, um, like how could you knock somebody's experience though? Just because it doesn't line up with your book doesn't mean that their experience is false. Their experience is real and it shapes and forms a lot of our views and a lot of, our, um, all of the way that we interact and interpret this world. So Jesus' um, ability to connect us with God is just, it's not exclusive to just Jesus. Um another thing, um, and again I can pick out so many. Um, there's I am statements in the Bible. Jesus says, I am this, I am that, I am the bread of life. He who eats of me and you know will never hunger and thirst again. Um, is the ability to be content? Is that exclusive to just Jesus? Absolutely not. One of the people that inspired me most post um being a Christian, um um, there's just so so many people. One of them is Nelson Mandela. I'm fascinated by this man. The peace, the contentment, the act of nonviolence, the, the positivity that he still that he was just oozing out of his life. And he wasn't a Christian, um, but yet he was satisfied and he learned the secret of contentment just like Paul says in, in Philippians chapter four, verse 13. Paul says, I've learned the, the secret of contentment. Paul finished that with saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nelson Mandela talked about like, I've learned the secret of contentment in his words, and it was through nonviolence, and it was through spreading love. And, and you can see over and over. So it's kind of like, I heard it said before, um, is, is the word wet actually what makes you wet? <laughs> and, like it's not right if you're in water and you're like oh i'm wet like it's not the word wet that makes you wet you're actually wet because of the water it's not the word in essence god or the word jesus that makes you feel this experience it's the essence it's that energy that's still the same no matter what verbiage or definition or word you put on it so if the energy is still the same if the power is still the same, regardless of how you term it, you have arrived and you've made it there and you're experiencing the same thing. It's just like gravity. I never knew what gravity was. Whether I acknowledge gravity's existence or not, gravity is still playing a role in my life, holding me down, right? Now I put the term gravity on it, so I call it, what if somebody else calls it I don't know, um, whatever. Uh, I love the word poppycock. What if somebody calls it poppycock? Like, what if somebody just calls it something? It doesn't matter. The energy and the essence is still the same. So the ability to even learn contentment is not exclusive to just Jesus. Um, Having this idea, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Um, So abundance, is that exclusive to just Jesus? Again, this is something that I realize is just not. Abundance is a mind state so is poverty. Um, If you envision abundance and you feel abundance, then abundance is what will begin to flow into your life. Many of us um, say that we're broke. We envision being broke. We feel being broke. And what happens? You stay broke because it's a mindset. Jesus understood what I believe he just wanted us to understand is that it's a mindset. Jesus knew that abundance was within him. It was all around him. And so he embodied that. He took ownership of that. He owned that. Same thing for you and I. You own that you can have abundance. Whether it's jobs or um, if you, if for, for, for your work, you need to get a bunch of leads. If you know that leads are in abundance, you envision the leads and you feel the leads coming into your life. Those leads will begin to follow suit with that. If it's um, money and you realize that money is in abundance in this world, there is no shortage of money at all. And whenever there is, we just print some more. Trust me, yo, this world will never run out of money. There's no reason why we should run out of money unless it's poor disciplines and habits. And of course, I've been there. My bank account has been in the negative tons of times. Thankfully, since I've learned this, I promise you, since I've learned this, my, my bank account has not been in the negative anymore. And it's not necessarily, again, this is me being post-Christian. Abundance is not exclusive to just Jesus Christ because abundance is a mind state. It's a state of mind. If you feel abundant, if you think abundantly, abundance will just flow into your life. It will. Um, Peace. That was another thing. Um, Is peace exclusive to just Jesus Christ? Uh, Jesus says that um, peace I leave with you and not peace like the world gives. So Jesus was at this point was trying to say, hey, I leave you with a peace. And maybe the peace that Jesus had at that time, nobody else did have at that time, according to his knowledge and understanding. I think there's other parts in the world that did for sure. I mean, we look at Buddhism, which is really um, in its um, fundamental goal is peace. And that existed during the time of Jesus, even before that. Um, But according to what Jesus had knowledge at the time, the world that he was looking at, he's like, hey, the peace that I'm going to give you, nobody else that I know has peace like this. Um, But thankfully, we live in an information world, which is why I'm even able to share this information with you, because it's information that I've got that wasn't available to me before, because especially when we were just under a Christian rule um, where they... Um, basically kept all certain types of views away from us or or certain things um, from our our exposure. Um, But even peace itself is not something that's exclusive to just Christianity. But for me, there was a time that that was the most, that was what attracted to me most about Christianity is the things that I began to learn that made my life more peaceful. Um, Paul said this. He says, um, whatever is true, whatever is praiseworthy, what is excellent, whatever is of good report, like of all these things, like think and meditate upon the, these things. Well, there's nothing innately Christian about that. Paul actually, because he was a believer, he says, and then the peace of God, like they, uh, the peace of Jesus Christ um, will transcend your heart and mind and all that stuff. So he was like, okay, well, I'm experiencing these things, so it must be coming from Jesus. And again, he just slapped Jesus on there because that's what he knew at the time. But again, you look at like Buddhists, they practice peace that will blow your mind if all you know is Christian peace. And I've been able to practice a lot of these things and I've experienced peace in the midst of being extremely um lack, like in lack, not knowing when I'm going to eat again and still be completely at peace. Even when people, like when my life felt like it was threatened at the time when, I mean, there was complete instability in my life and I was able to experience peace. Again, a Christian would say, oh, that's because I was praying for you and Jesus did that. Okay, whatever you want to call it. I know I've experienced peace and it's not just exclusive to Jesus. Uh, the only thing I can find that um, somebody could say, oh, well, it was just Jesus can only do this. Um, And that's probably the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins, because you're absolutely right. Um, There's nobody, uh, no other entity or religion or faith out there that will say, okay, Jesus, um, yeah, our belief is that we paid for your sins and all that stuff. Like, yeah, Jesus is exclusive in the dying for your sins for sure. Uh, But what if you no longer identify yourself as a sinner? Um, What if you don't view sin the same way? Um, like what if, and I've heard pastors and preachers say this all the time, like um, what if you you have to understand that there's a God-shaped hole in your heart and only God can fill that. Well, now I'm really of the belief that there is a hole in your heart, but that hole in your heart is a self-love hole in your heart that nobody else can fill but you. That's why we look for people to love us the way that we love them. And then we get frustrated and we're like, no, I need some reciprocity. I've been loving you. How come I can't get that back? And that's when we have problems with other people because we're looking for other people to do for us what really we should be doing for ourselves. Um, So for me, I I stopped viewing myself as a sinner. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons why the gospel message works uh, because people do view themselves as a sinner. They don't love themselves enough. And they're like, I don't love myself. God doesn't. um, I'm a bad person. I don't do anything right. I can't get this stuff right. And then somebody preaches that same stuff. You're wrong. You're destined to hell. You've messed up your life. And you're like, yeah, 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 that's right. I have. I have. I have. What can you do? What's the answer? Jesus. Jesus is the answer. God loves Jesus so much. He can clean up your life. And, And yeah, your life is a mess. And we acknowledge and that's a mess. So here comes Jesus. And that's the reason why the, reasons why the gospel message has thrived so much is because people don't love themselves. So they hear a message about like, yeah, you're messed up. Um, and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't. I, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's one of the reasons why the gospel message resonates so much. Um, but there's those who your heart's crying out and it's they're crying out ultimately for love. It's crying out for its own path. It's crying out for its own destiny. It's crying out for its own uniqueness and its own um, legacy that isn't the legacy of everybody else. It's it's crying out for, again, this hole in your heart, that's crying out for love that, again, you can only give to yourself. But you will never give yourself that love if you keep beating yourself up and calling yourself a sinner, if you never say that you're worthy of it. I've, I've met like beautiful people, men and women, physically attractive people, who feel like they're worthless and they will never have a good person in their life. It's the same idea. I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. I'm never good enough. It's the idea that comes from not loving yourself well enough. Again, I could go on and on and on and on and on and on. Uh, But the main point is that any sort of obedience or conformity that's based on fear is bullying. Take that time when you feel that pressure, that bullying taking place in your life, whether it be religion, whether it be in your home, your neighborhood, whatever it is to get you to be your inauthentic self, um, take that time to create some space, protect yourself, um, and set some sort of boundaries in your life um, where that point you can grow and you can discover who you actually are and you can get the courage. And that's what these um, podcasts will hopefully do every single episode. Um, Even as I bring in different guests starting next week, um, just different ways to empower yourself and different ways to equip yourself to be, um, to live authentically. Um, And as you live authentically, you realize that for me, it was Jesus that I was trying to be like, but Jesus lived his life already. Now it's time for you to live yours. So your uniqueness, again, is your value, you don't have to be anybody else but yourself. And as a matter of fact, you were placed on this world uniquely born on the day that you were born, on the month, on the year you were born unoriginal. Don't die a carbon copy, right? So your uniqueness is your value. Rock with me. Um, next week, share this um, with somebody you know will benefit from it. Uh, leave a comment below um, and let's continue to levitate. See y'all.